fantastic. So what, I, what my role is, um, I'm the team leader, so I kind of get to lay out our stall of this is where we want to go uh, in, in the next few uh, months and years, and I, I want to help you with that because the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. If you have the message version, which is kind of a, a cool hipster paraphrased version of the Bible that we use from time to time, it says this in Proverbs 29 verse 18. It says, if people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So I want to really focus you on what God wants in the next season for your life. As a church, we are very focused about these two things, finding God and following Jesus. This whole season that we're in, our whole existences, if you're new in for the first time, I can tell you straight away, my role, my agenda, it's not hidden. I want you to experience and know God right here, right now. I don't just want you to have, oh, that's quite a good moment, you know. I do want you to go, oh, great But there's something about when you have an encounter with God, that God reveals his son, Jesus, who is our Lord, who is our Savior. And I want to invite you into following him, not just for a day, not just think, oh, I'm going to try and look at this. I I I want you to bring you to the point where you say, I'm going to follow Jesus for my whole life. It's not just about finding God, it's about following Jesus. Our logo is is a compass. It's all about direction. I want to move you through life, your whole life. I'm so excited with Levi and Libby, who have made that decision to say, I want to move my compass. I am setting my compass to Jesus, you know, and every decision that I make, my whole season of life is going to be Jesus-focused, and baptism is that compass-setting moment publicly that you're invited to be a part of us. It's also about a church on the move. It's also about a church that is active. It's also about a church that doesn't want to stay static in the things of God. It wants to get up, and it wants to get out there and do what God has called us to do. So as a leader, as a team, of a leadership team, we spend time with the presence of God and we say, God, what is our next season? What are we about? How are we trying to get in what you've called us to be? So we have a vision statement, finding God, following Jesus. And we have a mission statement, which is all about adventure. And our adventure that we'd like you to join is, is to transform the world by helping people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference in their communities, wherever God has placed you. And for the next four weeks, our series is going to be entitled Facing Forward. I've misspelled the word forward deliberately to help you understand there's four points to this journey so we can structure it. It's not a spelling error, by the way. It's not that I cannot spell. It is just a deliberate play because it's four steps each week. We want to move you on so that you know the direction of your church. If you have your Bible, can you open it at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17? This is Paul's message to the church. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. If you have the message version, it says this, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent. Who would like to be intelligent today? Yes, to make you discerning in knowing him personally. 
your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. So that you may know, the Greek is, may thoroughly know, may look into God and feel that you know God. Paul's plan, what he's writing is, the purpose of the church is to you to know God, not to know of him. I had a, I had a coffee once in, in, you know, the bridge in Topsham. You know, it's, it's well known uh, for its real ales. And, and there's an older gentleman that was sat in there listening to our conversation. And we got engaged in talking about God. Turns out he was one of the leading theologians in this country. And it was a fascinating conversation. You know what I realized by the end of that conversation? He did not know God. He knew about God. He knew far more about the different gods of this world. He knew about the framework of religion and swept me on the carpet. But at the end of the conversation, I said, do you know God? He'd not yet had a personal experience with him. We want to take you. Paul wants to take you on the journey to know God, to know him better. It also says that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. God just doesn't want you to know him. He wants you to suddenly go, wow, that moment when you find freedom in God. Do you know what there's freedom in following Jesus? He wants you to get that to go, wow, God is real so that you might be enlightened. That you may know the hope to which he's called you. There is an inheritance. Every single one of you has got gifts and talents in this place. And I want you to discover your purpose. What is it that God has placed in you? Because it's different that you have to me. The Bible says we are a body of Jesus Christ. All of us as a corporate community take our gifts and we serve each other. And your role is, what is my purpose? I want you to kind of go, well, what is my purpose? And when you get all that purpose, you're focused, you are clear. And then finally, I pray that you may grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life he has for his followers and his holy people, which means that God wants to pull you into a community and send you out into the world that you go out and make a difference. It's not just, it's, you know when you go, oh, I know what I'm called to do in life. If you did nothing about it, doesn't make any difference. You know, Levi said, you know, I've known I should get baptized for quite a while, but I've decided to do something about it. The moment you do something about that is when we realize that God is going to take us into that journey. And so, anybody ever done a bungee jump? Put your hands up if you've done a bungee jump. Whoa, that's good. Excellent. Anybody who's heard of a bungee jump? Here's the difference, okay? Interesting things like that. In church, I want you to get into the presence of knowing God, that actually we're not just going to talk about knowing God. We're just not going to know about knowing God. We're going to know God. We're going to dive into that moment. I remember going with my sister. It was a tandem bungee jump, and up we went like that. They strapped us together, you know, and then they, they, they winched us up, you know, and there we are, 400 feet in the air, you know, and it was one of these automated ones by which one of you, they said, which one's going to take control of the free fall? And uh, I looked at my sister, and she didn't do anything. And she looked at me and said, you do that, you know. And then I was up there, you know, and then they've got this big speaker. Okay, we're going to go three, two, one. And then you pull the ripcord, okay. And there is a moment when you are in control. There's a moment when your will is engaged, when you have to go. You're looking down at the ground at 400, and you're like that, you know. And suddenly, that's when your brain stays behind, your adrenaline kicks in, you know, and for the first moments you are scared. Genuinely, you have that moment of, ah, until, until you feel the tension of the line and then you feel secure in that. But here's the thing. My whole family watched that day, but only two of us had the guts to get up and strap ourselves in. 
That's called faith, by the way. So, uh, you know, the whole thing about this journey is where God wants you to experience him. The Bible says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, Hannah, what did you want to have to say about that? Um, okay, so, aha, uh-huh, see, I'm surprising some of you. Where did she go? Where is she coming from? Um, I was going to bring this lovely trolley down here, and if you're sitting in the far the back section as we the front section the back section you're kind of wondering what's going to happen next so uh, i wonder if i could have a little bit of personal assistant could you just be my personal assistant for a moment we'll just take this off and uh thank you and there should be three scarves underneath could you just grab those for me okay we thought we'd just have a bit of a taste test this morning there's no point in talking about taste and see that the lord is good without actually you know having a little bit of a taste of things this morning so um what i need is three people who would be willing to come up preferably without any allergies because that could end up <laughs> this morning. um so have i got any volunteers three volunteers yeah great would you like to just pop that on ask someone around you to help someone else Come on. Oh, yes. Great. And Pauline. Okay. Awesome. So um, if you think Pauline's just there. Oh, oh, Mac, did you want to do it, Mac? No. <laughs> um, just while they're getting ready, as well as realizing this morning that Gareth does not need any more stripy scarves, um, as I was preparing for it, I also thought about how our reactions might be to coming to do something new, a new experience. Some of you, when I said, even when I brought the trolley down, you were like, oh no, the preacher's actually coming into my sphere and right next to me, what am I going to do, where can I hide? Um, Others of you, when I said, um, who would like to take part? Some of you turned the other way, you didn't really want to make eye contact with me at that moment. Um, Others of you were pointing at the person next to you, pick them, they'll do it. Um, Some of you were like, you know what, that looks like a bit of fun. You started talking to the person next to you and saying, what do you think? Um, Others of you uh, were like, yeah, you know what, I'm up for this, I'm going to give it a go. And it's exactly the same when it comes to experiencing God. Some of us just look the other way, some of us look to our friend for some moral support. Some of us want to run out of the room. Some of us might decide, actually, I'm quite up for this. And uh, you put your hand up. Some of you took a little bit of time and thought, I need to think about this first, and I need to work this out for myself. And some of you just totally jumped into it. So this guy here, what's your name, sorry? Joshua. Joshua was like, he was well up for it. He was totally in. He didn't question what was going to happen next. He was there. Okay, guys, so we're going to do this live Um, There are five things, and they're all very different tastes. Some of them are delicious, some of them are nutritious, and some of them might be interesting, shall we say. So, I'm going to start off with something fairly normal and nice. Can you assist me in this? So, the first thing, if you can just hold it up for everyone to see. Um, So, we all know what that is. I'm just going to give each of them a something to taste. So, oh, Josh, do you want to just take one off the top? And yeah, and then Pauline, you can put it in your mouth. Tell us what it tastes like. Quavers crisps. Oh, we're having good smell as well. Okay, what do we think it is, guys? Quavers crisps. You are right. Cheesy Quavers crisps. Who loves a good Quaver crisp? Yes, we all love good Quaver crisps. Nice. Nice cheesy taster. Okay, on to the next one. Slightly more interesting. So what I want is the, the stronger taste that you taste in the next moment. 
You're either going to love it or hate it. Um, if you can work out what they both are, that would be pretty amazing. So, okay, Josh, what do you think? It's a cheese with bovril or something on top of it. Okay, oh, Pauline? Baby Bell, and I think it is bovril that's with it. Baby Bell, she got the Baby Bell. The bovril, interesting. Okay, and Matt Shepherd? Just the cheese. You just got the cheese. She's just loving the cheese. Okay, that was actually cheese with Marmite. Cheese with Marmite. I gave you the clue. You're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Okay, um, so yeah, cheese and Marmite. Great in a sandwich. Um, okay, next thing, something nice. Well, at least I think it's quite nice. Maybe not a whole spoonful of it, but hey. This is a spoon this time. Just be careful with it. <laughs> Oh, uh, does someone just want to come and help uh, Paulie? Uh, you're all right there. Good. And Josh, there's a spoon coming into your hand. Okay. Have a good taste of that, Matt Shepo. Your husband is uh, popping a spoon in your hand right now. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you get your, yeah, get your fingers in there as well. Um, okay. Matt Shepo, I'm going with you first this time. Nutella. Oh, what are we green? Nutella. Nutella, yes. Thankfully, hopefully none of you have got nut allergy. Awesome. Now, um, something a little bit more interesting. So if we go with the um, back, go with the back, yep. Okay, uh, I would just take one bite of this. Um, <laughs> this one is... Uh, oh, uh, I would definitely wash your hands after uh, <laughs> touching this one. Okay, are you ready? Maybe we'll do it all in one go because I think we might get some interesting reactions. Josh, there you are. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Oh, she's, she's hovering. Josh, how are you feeling about this right now? Not bad. bad. Oh, he is like hardcore. Matt Shepard? Not bad, it's mustard. It's mustard? Okay, so we think mustard over here. Josh? A mustard, yeah. Mustard. I think, I think it's French mustard. Ooh, French mustard. Well, what you have on your cracker, you can carry on eating it if you want to, is actually creamed spicy horseradish sauce. I like that. Lovely. Love a bit of horseradish mixed in with a bit of Nutella, a crispy, cheesy crisp and some Marmite. Um, interesting combination. Okay, the final thing is something to drink. Um, I thought you might want to wash it down because, you know, so I'm looking for the two flavours that make up this drink. <laughs> He's enjoying his horseradish cracker. <laughs> Spreading the love around here. Crackers all around. Okay. There are two flavours in this drink. Something nice to wash it down with. Pauline? Um, I like it. Oh. <laughs> she likes it. Okay. Lychee? Lychee? Okay. Sounds like a J2O almost, one of the fizzy ones. Yeah, do you know which one? This is like quality, this is Josh. J2O, one of the fizzy ones. Sammy, what did you give me last night? <laughs> that one. Is it that one? It tastes like that. 
Top marks over here. Yeah. Apple and watermelon, J2O. I mean, who would have known? Who would have known? You just came prepared this morning, Josh. Came prepared for the taste test and you were just up for the challenge. Awesome. I'm going to hand back to Aaron now. Let's um, give these guys... Yeah, that's totally why. Let's give everyone a clap. Well done, guys. Great stuff, Hannah. So when we talk about taste and experience in something, you know, it's the sensation of a flavour perceived on the mouth uh, when the throat comes into contact with a substance. But kind of, did you know you've got 2,000 to 8,000 taste buds on your tongue? You know, within each taste bud, there is up to 10 times 50 sensory um, cells inside each 10 bud. That's 10,000 to 400,000 kind of cells going off just on your tongue to give you that experience that is going on. You know, and so when we're talking about experience of, you know, uh, savory, you know, and sweet, you know, and sour, you know, the whole things. Did you know that spice, by the way, sorry, uh, I know you're kind of from the home of spice, uh, but spice is not a taste. Do you know what actually spice is? That is your brain responding to pain. Seriously? And that's the taste that you're getting. It's called your brain's going, whoa, 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 what is that? In fact, you know, God designed your taste. You know, and so the reason for that is when you put something in your mouth back on, you know, before we've got all the processed food that we have, that actually it's a way of you, your body, your brain discerning what is good, i.e. if you put something in your mouth and it's sweet, your body instantly knows without being told that it's got quite a lot of calories in, in order, and that is good. Now, we have monopolized that to the nth degree in Western world that actually we sell the level of sugar in our products, by the way. And this has been proved scientifically, uh, by the way, that we're in nature that we're attracted to these sweet products because you don't see many lions in the jungle taking tonic water. You know, they don't go, I fancy a little bit of that bitter stuff. It is a natural attraction to us. Also, you know the sour, the bitter taste? That's because it's all to do with the level of proteins in a food of whether it's gone off. You know, and so the proteins rise when the food starts to decay. And God designed our ability to be able to test good foods. Now, we have taken that ability and added to it and started to really exploit excessive calorie intake in our diets. And you understand where we're going as a society. But ultimately, our taste is about discernment. So when the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, it says, I want you to discern. I want you to know me. I want you to experience whether that is. And you're not going to know. All of you won't know what those tastes are like, except the three that stood up on blindfolded and going, I'm going to taste of that. As a church, we want you to taste and see. Did you know you can override your taste? I mean, who's a coffee fan? Um, there are other coffee products available, by the way. I'm not endorsing one over the other. This was uh, the residues of my morning coffee. And uh, did you know that you've been conditioned within social extremities to like coffee? It's a naturally bitter taste. Your first taste of coffee was not, oh, that's so sweet. I'm going to take that. It's got a bit of flavor. Do you know what the same thing happens with beer you know, and wine as well? So what happens is you've got a cultural override because culture says, if you drink this, you will be cool. You can say, just by being old in this, I'm cool. You know, you can just be sitting in a coffee shop, I'm cool, isn't it? You know, having a beer in my hand makes me socially accepted. And so what happens is my need to be accepted is higher than my need to discern. There's a problem with that, by the way. 
There is a problem in your fault line if you hire acceptance over discernment of what is good. And that's why, essentially, we're looking at diet within our society of trying to get it back under control and it is way out of that. You know, God has designed it. Did you know that taste can induce memories? If I start talking about candy floss, it's like eating cotton wool but laced with sugar. Straight away, you're back to your childhood memories, you know, when a parent, you know, you, you brought that in. And taste, you can be in a place and you can taste something, it can remind you of that. You know, let me tell you, taste can open your world. You're just eating a candy floss, but suddenly you're back in your childhood. Your world has been opened. When you taste and see that God is good, God is about to open your world. God, you, you know, so Jacob in the Bible is a, is a hero in the faith. He has this moment with God. You know, suddenly he goes to sleep, and in his dreams, God reveals to him. It's called Jacob's Ladder. It's an incredible thing. You'll find it in Genesis 26, 28. And, you know, and he comes out with this quote. He goes, wow, surely God was in this place, and I did not know it. That's Jacob tasting God. That is Jacob experiencing God. That is Jacob discerning God. Jacob walking into a place. He wasn't aware. You might have walked in this morning not expecting to find God. If you're a Christian, by the way, and you've walked in not expecting from God, can I give you a gentle, what are you doing here? Because God loves to be in his people. The moment we praise and worship, God inhabits. He lives in people's praises. You want to find God, stop praising God, start living out. And suddenly we're in this. And Jacob had this, wow, God in this display. I, I wasn't expecting that in church. You know, but God wants to bring this whole experience that you might know him in your growth. He wants to experience your taste. So as a church, I just want to be really simple. We want church to be about celebration. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God. I don't want anybody to come in going, oh, church again. You know, do you know what God designed his people to connect together in him to be fun? Yes. Yeah, so that's the whole point of this church. That's why we laugh. That's why we're interactive. God wants you to enjoy him, his people, his presence. We want to celebrate. I want you to come in. You know, I want to inspire you. I want church to be inspirational. That God says, I just want to come in. That you get prepped up, ready to go into your world and go, wow, God is in me. I don't want to live my life out the way he's called me to. That's, that's a perfect church. We want to prepare you that church should be a place where people learn how to apply the Bible to prep you for everything that's got ready. And finally, we want to present church for salvation. You know, your friends, your family, you know, do not know what it is to know Jesus. And this church is about salvation of saying, we want to introduce you to Jesus. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm going to be right about it all the time. And I want you to go, if you want to know Jesus, come with me. Come to church. This is what it's about. You can experience God. You know, you can even sit down and you can walk people through an experience of God. It's called prayer. One on one, in the canteen at work, let's pray about that. God is everywhere. He is over everything. The moment a follower of Jesus brings God into that room, into that situation. There he is. Where two or three are gathered in my name. It works in the canteen. It works in the marketplace. It works by the river. It works in every possible place that you conceivably imagine. And your role as a follower of Jesus is to bring God into the world so that others may know him. But the question that we're going to rest on is how do we experience God? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Hannah. Okay, so we're going to play some music um, for about two minutes and just chat to the person next to you. Have you ever experienced God? You might just be like, well, no, and that's why I'm here, and that's cool. Um, what was that like for you? What happened? 
where were you? Who were you with? Just have a chat with the people around you and um, just find out about people's experiences. So play some music and just have a chat together for a moment. Okay, lots of um, great conversations happening around the room. Um, so what we're going to do is a little bit of a Vox Pop style, um, just find out about different people's experiences. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to just put the microphone in front of your face. So if you're looking at me thinking, please don't do that to me. It's my worst nightmare ever. Um, is anyone willing just to share like their own experience, maybe just literally in sort of one minute, um, their own experience with God? I had an experience in 1992 when I went through difficulty, but the Holy when God revealed himself to me with an angel came into my flat in 92, he said, I'll be going to heaven when I, when I die. That's a promise. He sealed that promise to me. Amazing. So God can come to us in visions and pictures and um, just remind us of his promises for us. Hi, um, I first experienced God when, um, when I was younger and I was uh, riding a motorbike um, and I fell asleep for just half a second wow. and I managed to avoid oncoming vehicles and traffic and I woke up there and then and I realized that uh, it's not uh, me or luck or anything, but uh, God is on my side. Great. Wow, like God's protection in those moments and how we, just in that moment you just see, completely see God's hand on your life. Thank you. Um, I just want to say that um, I'm Robert's mum, and uh, in 1975, when he was born, and I'd had an emergency cesarean, in front of all the Jewish doctors, I gave my life to Jesus then. So that was an amazing experience, and I still look at him in amazement. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think we should be giving a big clap after some of these things. It's incredible. <laughs> Salvation. I'll come back, Terry. I'm just going to go this way. Someone was at the back there waving. It was you. <laughs> Um, we just experienced God's protection with our family uh, who were experiencing the earthquake in Japan, but are all brilliant. And our five-month-old 
would normally have been asleep in his cot, but had a bit of a restless night, so he was actually sharing the parents' bed, the daughter's bed, and um, the light fitting was one of the things that fell down and landed right in his cot, but he wasn't there. That's amazing. Do you know, that's, isn't it incredible, not just protection, but God's, you know, the timing and everything in that as well. Just Okay, so any experiences of um, maybe within the church context, anyone experienced God in that context or at home when you've just been praying, anything like that? Anybody got anything they'd like to share? Simon. Uh, this happened uh, years ago. Um, was a lot younger than I am now. Um, I was stuck in traffic driving back up to London, and um, it was uh, Chilmark, I think it was. And um, I, I'd, I had a set of UCB notes next to me on the passenger seat, and I just thought, oh, I'll have a look at those. I was kind of living away from home, but sort of still attached to home. I was kind of about 21, I think. And um, read the notes, and, today, and today's thing was Psalm 139. So I thought, oh, never read that one. So I got the Bible out, and literally within the first, within the first sort of five verses, I was just hit by how much God had a regard for me, loved me, had invested in me up until that point. And so, and and it was kind of it got to the point where it just burst out of me this enormous cry, and I, I was I had to pull over, and I was there for like two or maybe three hours, just like sobbing my guts out, um, read, reading and rereading Psalm one three nine because it was just God broke into my life in such a powerful way. So God can be with us in our prayer time, whether we're in our car, whether we're in our home, whether we're wherever we are, God can speak to us. We can experience his presence through reading his word. And sometimes that can come out as tears and we just start crying and, and um, exploring that. Um, Terry, can I just quickly come to you? Yeah. Most of you know, many of you do anyway, that back in February of this year, I suffered from cardiac arrest. And when I was taken into hospital, the senior consultant of the department said to me, Terry, I want you to know that when you arrived in this hospital, you were dead because my heart had stopped for over three quarters of an hour. And in the hospital, they called me a miracle man. So I am a testimony to God's grace now. And people have said to me, that's because God has still got things for you to do, Terry. So he saved your life. Praise God. You know, just as we've been sharing these stories, a lot of them are just powerful testimonies and incredible examples of experiencing God's power and power through the Holy Spirit, how God's saved and healed and just shown his love to people in incredible ways in quite challenging circumstances. And there's something really powerful about that. And just as we might look back on our lives and, and remind ourselves of times when we've experienced God, God wants us to experience him today. And he wants us to experience his presence in a fresh way each and every day. Not just things that have happened before. They can, they can inspire us and fill us with faith. But God wants us to have real experiences of him today. So I'm going to hand back to Aaron. I, I just want to finish this off really and quite simple. So if you're brand new to the Bible, the Bible is full of stories of people who experienced God. That's why they're written in there, so that you can read about them, that you can learn about them. And the ultimate lesson when you read their stories is if God spoke to them, does God want to speak to me? And I want to declare, yes, he does. God is so passionate about his relationship with you. It talks about Enoch, that he walked with God. I'm not talking about a moment just today where you come in and go, oh, God, great, God's existed. I'm talking about a lifeline. 
lifetime of journeying and experience with God. It talks about Abraham. And God talked to Abraham as a man talks to his friend. That's how close they chatted. God talks to you. Moses had this dialogue, this connection with God. And, and this is the journey. You know, when we talk about bungee jumps, all right, the whole thing, by the way, if you know, if somebody's built a platform in a lovely area of the world of an incredible view, you know, and they've gone ahead and they've built it, that's what church is. It's a platform that has been built with a purpose. And that purpose is to enable you to experience God, to know God, to find God, and to follow Jesus. But not just on that platform, but there's also people on that platform who are trained to make sure that the things around your ankles are safe and secure, and to make sure everything is true, that when you dive off, you're not going to die. That's not a kind of a good advertisement for any bungee jump company, isn't like that, and you're, and you're there, and they're not just doing the practical, but they're, they're motivating, they're going, you can do this, we're going to get you to the edge of something, and, and when that happens, you know what the staff do? They take a step back. And they say, when you're ready, and there you are, if you're bungee jumping, you've got this. Somebody's built the platform, there's the purpose. You've been motivated by a team, there's the people of God. Our role as Christians is to motivate people to get to the edge of the platform, to strap that in, you know, to go, Jesus, my life is in your hands, you know, and to, to, if you've done a bungee jump, you do pray, you do become religious at that point. And I'm not talking about bungee jumping, by the way, just in case you're wondering, I'm talking about your whole life, the whole next season of your life. And, you know, and here's me and the team and everybody in this place, we're waiting, watching for you to say, right, this is me. Your will needs to put yourself on the edge. It is your will that falls into the plans and purposes of God. That's the moment you become a Christian. When you say, I acknowledge you as Lord of my life. This is what we're about as a church, is getting you to the edge and getting you to fall into God. There's a well-known story in America, uh, the dog track. You know, the rabbit that goes around the dog track. And they do that to motivate the dogs, you know. And one day they set the rabbit off and it goes off quite quickly. Only there was an electronic malfunction and the rabbit explodes sets on fire, and it burns, and the trap opens, and the dogs go out. Here's the thing. They are trained to follow. They're focused on the rabbit. That, that, that's a vision. That's a purpose. You know, some other dogs literally just stopped what they were doing, and they lay down on the track, and they fell asleep. They didn't know what to do. A couple of dogs were totally confused by the whole thing, that they ran into the barrier, and they actually broke their ribs, you know. A, a couple of dogs just sat there and just started howling around on this. You know, when I started without vision, people perish. Without you knowing where you're going, what you're focusing on, you're going to be one of the people who just sits there and goes, I'm just going to fall asleep right now in life, right? God does not want you to sleep in life. Wake up to the plans and purposes that he's got for you. God does not want you to crash into the barriers. Some of you, without the purpose and focus, when you focus on God, he directs you away from the obstacles. And we, we have, all of us have broken ribs in our life when we've run into things because we've gone our own way and we've ended up into problems. Sin does that in our life. And God says, I want you to focus on Jesus. And when you're focused, I press on to this one thing, forgetting all this, but I focus on Christ. You know, and some of us just howl on the track you know, I don't know whether you, when things don't go right, you just start to whinge at everybody. Oh, you know, church is not this, and it's not that, and it's like that. That's because you're frustrated, because you lost your focus. You know, I've noticed that busy people who are focused on the vision are certainly one thing they don't do is whinge, because they're too busy. They're too busy to win, because I've got a plan. I've got a mission in our life. This whole series is about getting you to the end of the platform, 
so that you can dive into God. Thank you very much. We're going to give you this just kind of opportunity window just to start that journey today. Anna. Okay, so we're coming into land now, and um, part of the experience of this morning um, has been quite intentional. I know we started off with a taste test, and we had a bit of fun. And uh, as I explained then, you know, we all had our different responses when I said, um, who would like to come and join in? And um, as a church, we want to be a church where you come in and you experience God for yourself. And some of you might be here and you're visiting, and you may not normally go to church, and you might be thinking, wow, what sort of church is this? They do taste tests in the middle of the meeting. There's, you know, like, laughing, and people talk about bungee jumps. Like, we are a church where we want to be real. Because God is real, and he's alive, and he wants to work in your life today. So... I just want you to give everyone a moment to reflect and to just have some time between you and God. And in this moment, Hill's going to come and she's just going to begin to play the keyboard. And it's not about evoking any emotion or trying to stir, stir you up. This is all about just using the keyboard as an instrument that can bring us into the presence of God. And when Hill plays the notes on the keyboard... She's playing notes that are inspired by God and by the Holy Spirit as she plays. So I just want you to rest for a moment, reflect, listen to her as she's playing, and we're just going to take you through a journey to, um, towards the end of this meeting to give you an opportunity to experience God for yourself. So let's just have a few moments and, uh, yeah. this moment you might have a sense of peace that's come upon you as to see hearing hills playing for others it might be there are thoughts and things that are going on in your life that are just coming to the forefront and in this moment as spending time in God's presence just allow God to begin to minister to you where you are Andy's going to start playing too now and as he's playing his instrument again he's just inspired by the Holy Spirit and the notes he's playing he's not playing a particular song or particular music but just coming to blend into that sound and in a, in a few moments Andy and Alyssa are just going to start to sing over you and again just allow yourself to receive from God in this moment it's an opportunity just to open your heart and say God I just want to experience you afresh in this place today